So welcome back to Big Fish Little Pod. I want to talk today about what happens when you are exhausted, worn out, frustrated, just dog tired, and ineffective and ready to just quit wanting just to go home and fall into your chair or into your bed or just sleep for a week. I encountered the scriptures in a different way yesterday. Um, I was studying Luke 5, 1 through 11, which is the call of the fishermen to become disciples. Um, Peter, James, Andrew, and John were, were called by Jesus. And Whenever I've encountered that and and preached on it, I would always go on the tack that that Jesus didn't go to the temple to look for disciples. He didn't go to the rabbinical schools to look for disciples. He found fishermen um, and people out in the in the in the world, um, and that's always what I've taken from that. But the thing that I that that was revealed to me the other day was that. They were at the end of their their night because they fished at night, um, and and fishing for them wasn't staying by the shore and casting a net and having a drink and a, a good conversation with your buddies. It was rowing out or sailing out into the to the sea and taking these heavy rope nets and throwing them as far as you can and then pulling them through the water back into the boat um you know getting caught in weeds and on rocks and and all sorts of stuff and if you're lucky picking up fish along the way and pulling that heavy net into the boat well they had done that all night and caught nothing. It was as if a fish kill came on the lake. They caught nothing. And at some point, even though it meant they weren't going to be able to sell any fish and get any money to support their families, they decided to call it quits and brought the boats back to shore took those heavy rope nets out of the boat, laid them on the shore, and and they were exhausted. They were frustrated. They were beaten. They were ineffective. And they felt like failures having to go home and tell their families they caught nothing. And along came this preacher who said to Peter, can I use your boat? Because the crowd is pushing up against me and I I just want to go out a little bit into the water so that I can speak to the crowd. You can almost hear Peter in an offhanded way say, sure, take the boat, doesn't do me any good. Because he's just feeling miserable. So Jesus, Jesus speaks for a while, talks to the people and then brings the boat back and says to Peter, and Andrew, if you put your nets back in the boat, go out to the deep water, you'll catch a load of fish. And only God knows why Peter listened to him. Because Peter was the fisherman. Jesus was a preacher. What do preachers know about making a living fishing? But 
for whatever reason, Peter listened, and he and Andrew sailed the boat back out to the deep water, took the heavy net, threw it as far as they could, and pulled in so many fish that it filled their boat. So they called to James and John, you got to come out here. There's loads of fish. And so James and John reloaded everything, went back out, caught loads of fish so that their boats almost sank as they brought in their catch. I never thought of that story before as teaching us the lesson that when we're down and out, when we're exhausted, when we're beaten, that is precisely the time to recharge. To, to, and to recharge by spending quality time with your God. So I guess I wanted to talk today about what do we do when we're worn out, beaten, and, and, and just ready to quit? And to make sure we hear the message of that's exactly where the disciples were when they met Jesus. And through the three years that they walked with him, and through the years that they had walking in his spirit, they changed the world. <laughs> I guess the theme that's coming up for me, like of the question or the challenge is that in those moments when I feel really low and I just want to like climb into bed and like scroll mindlessly through the internet, uh, which is like my kind of darkest coping mechanism. Right. What I hear you saying is that those are the moments when we sh could find relief and recharge by, for me, it would be like engaging spiritually or for me, it would probably be like going for a walk or um, picking up the phone and calling someone who I know can kind of be a lifeline for me or exit cleaning is like a way that I really re-energize. Um, right. But in those moments, that's exactly what I don't want to do. So that kind of theme was coming up for me is like, I, I'd like to talk a little bit about that. But what came up directly from the story is the disciples, they didn't have to take action. I, I guess the, the kind of challenge I'm hearing you offering is in those moments when we just want to lay in bed and scroll mindlessly through our phones, that's the moment to take action and to recharge. But the disciples, they didn't. They were passive in that situation. Jesus took action. Like Jesus, came, they were struggling and Jesus came to them. Right. So like, I, in a way, I kind of feel like, uh, I don't know if I have the strength in those moments to take action. But the disciples, they didn't. I mean, I guess they, it's true what you said, like they listened to him. They could have dismissed him. There's the key. But I mean, he came to them. He broke the energy. He was the active participant. All right. So, um, so easy enough to deal with if you believe in God, because I believe God loves us has promised never to forsake us and to always be with us. Yeah. Which means that at my downest, darkest time, God is there. Yeah. 
and God, if, as we read through the Psalms and Isaiah, um, God appears to us. I believe that's what the whole Christmas message is about, that, that God loved us so much that God came, God comes. Right. I believe even in those darkest times, God is there as an alternative. Yeah, but I mean, what I'm saying is like, yeah, he's there. I know he's always there, but like, like with eating, it's not the, it's not like the vegetables aren't there. And that's my problem. It's not like I'm lacking vegetables in my life. Like the vegetables are always there. I'm just not choosing to eat them. I'm choosing unhealthy options. So it's my action that's keeping me from like revitalization of my health through eating vegetables. So God, I'm not saying God's not there. He's always there. I definitely agree with you. Like, even in my darkest times, he's there. Like, it's not his lack of presence that's the problem, but it's okay. that I never choose him that's the problem. And so I guess what I'm saying, I guess what I'm saying is, like, to, to then tell me that the solution to my darkest time is to choose right. God or health or whatever that kind of lightness feeling is for you. I mean... That moment is the very moment I can't make that decision. Okay. So, so we've got to figure out what will help you, what will inspire you to make that choice because Peter did make that choice. Yeah, but he made the choice after God came to him. But God comes to you. Uh, Yeah, I would argue. I don't know if I've really felt God ever come to me. I come to God a lot because God, like what you're saying, God is always there. But for me, like that has been quite passive. And then I am the active participant. So God is always there. And then I can choose whether to turn towards him or not. Like, but, or like, you know, but I haven't, I feel like in the story with the fishermen, they were there and then God came to them. So like Jesus is the active participant that broke the energy. And then you're right. Peter had to respond. Right. But like, but like when someone walks up to you and breaks the energy, it's, it's easier to respond. That role is. So did Jesus break the energy? Yeah. Or when he said to Peter, just go out into the deep water, you'll catch some fish. Could Peter not have said, are you kidding me? I just got our nets out of the boat. We're done for the day. I'll go out to the deep water tomorrow. Right. Yeah, he totally could have. But I mean, I think that's the whole power of God, right? Like, this is God that came into this. He was performing a miracle here. So so God overpowered Peter's self-will? No, but like God's energy is so strong Ah. that, that... like you were saying, only God knows why Peter listened to him instead of just giving him like lip, right? Right. Yeah, that's the power of God. Like he's able to shift your energy. Ah. If I was like in a depressed mood, laying in bed, and like you you came in and said like, Amy, why don't you go for a walk? I bet it'll make you feel better. Yeah, I might be like, oh, I don't know. I don't really want to. But if God walked in and said, Amy, why don't you go for a walk? I think it'll make you feel better. It's going to be pretty easy to listen. Okay. Huh. 
And to be honest, even if just you walked in, that might be easier. Yeah. Like if you walked in and said, you want to go for a walk with me? I'd be like, yeah, like Janardin, like he'll come in sometimes and be like, why don't we go do something? Right. It'll help you feel better. And I usually do do it. Again, it's because there's another active participant coming in. Right. My relationship with God Maybe you have a different relationship with God, but my relationship with God is that God is a pretty passive character constantly in the background of my life. And if I reach out to him, he comes into the foreground. But I have not had many experiences myself where he comes into the foreground of his own accord. Right. And so I don't know how I'm supposed to get out of the bed without him coming into the foreground unless I come up with some other strategy myself, which is fine. And that's something, but for me, that's something different. So we very rarely get to the point where I have, I push you, you usually push on me, (laughs) but so God has to overwhelm you or else it's God's fault. No, it's my fault. That's the whole point is like, God is always there for me to access, but I rarely take advantage of that relationship. But that's the problem of my whole life. Right. And so what I'm so like what I'm saying is like like okay, someone who's not good at eating, they're never good at choosing the vegetables and now we're expecting them to choose the vegetables when they're in a depressed mood. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So like the problem of my life is that I don't engage in my relationship with God as much as I could and take advantage of that relationship. So now we're expecting me to do that when I'm not feeling my best. No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what this message is about. We got to figure out because the vision I have is here you are in your funk in bed. God is passively sitting in the rocking chair beside your bed implying i'm here if you want me and you're saying he's not doing enough to help you get out of your mood no i'm not saying he's not doing enough to help me get out of my mood he's doing the same as he's always doing i'm not doing enough to get me out of my mood but if you're relating that to the story of peter i think he's not doing what he did for peter Really? Yeah, because he didn't just sit, like, it would be a different story if you said Peter had this horrible day, he got so upset, then he saw Jesus sitting on the beach, and he went to him and said, teacher, what should I do? And then Jesus said to him, go put your nets on the other side. That would be a different story. But that, And then the moral of that story would be, we need to reach out to God. But that's not what happened. Peter was in distress, and God came to him and told him what to do. And then, yes, Peter had to agree and and surrender to that, even though it didn't make logical sense. But Jesus was the one who interrupted the path of the story. Uh, it wasn't that Peter made a different choice than normal. But you don't think God interrupts the path of our stories? I think he's capable of interrupting the path of our stories. I have not had many instances where he interrupted the path of my story directly when I'm in that type of negative space. Hmm. There have been times where I've been like really depressed and I've called out to God and he has helped me. But again, it was always me calling out to him. Like, I haven't had many instances where I felt like I was going in one direction and God swept in and turned the tide. So... God's not very loving after all, then. No, you're completely, I don't know if you're just teasing me, but you're completely missing what I'm saying, because I'm not saying that at all. I'm not I am. 
She's the you a little bit, but you are. Because why wouldn't God come to you, interrupt you, um, intervene for you? Why would God not do for you what God does for did for Peter? I don't know. I think God does. Then tell me how it works for you when you're really down and you can't get out of bed. Tell me how God comes in and interrupts you and that it helps you get out. Because I don't have that experience. Okay. So, I mean, please, let's, let's, let's admit that more often than not, I choose myself over God. And, and I have the weight to show for that. Because when I'm in a funk, I choose, you know, Cumberland Farms or McDonald's much more than I choose the things that would be healthy for me. Mm -hmm. But in my funk, there are times that I turn on the radio in the car and sometimes it's preset to a Christian radio station. I make the choice in that moment to change it. Okay. Right. And if I don't make the choice to change it, a song comes that I need to hear. And it makes a difference. Okay. I don't <laughs> I know. Or I'm in a funk and someone calls me, mm -hmm. you know, or I'm in a funk. And let's look at what Jesus asked Peter to do. Because mm -hmm. Jesus didn't say, oh, Peter, you're so tired and beaten and frustrated. Let's go for a nice walk in the woods and replenish your spirit. He said to Peter, mm -hmm. you really should go out and work a little harder. So sometimes I'm in a funk. Mm -hmm. I get a call that somebody just had to go to the hospital. I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm depressed. I don't want to work in that moment, but I make the choice that Peter made and it makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I don't, I hear all those examples, but I don't see those as equivalent to this story because how is someone, like how is someone calling you and asking you to engage in your ministry? How is that the same as what happened to Peter? Because Jesus called on him and asked him to continue his work. Yeah, but it was Jesus. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, in those, like I said, like if you walked in the room and said, do you want to go for a walk with me? I might react well. I might not react well. Right. But that's not what happened to Peter. It wasn't just someone on the beach gave him a tip. It was Jesus that performed a miracle. But he didn't know Jesus before that. Yeah, but it was Jesus. And Jesus was like controlling the entire situation. Like it was Jesus who put the fish there. It was Jesus who knew this was going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like, this was a moment where God was present actively in the story. You know, it wasn't just circumstance. It was, I mean, I've had tons of those moments that you're describing. You know, I mean, our car only has the Christian radio yeah. station on, you know, like right. we don't listen to any other station, you know. So, like, I, I mean, I like in my meditations, I have these moments where I'm connecting with God. I'm not saying that, yeah. like, those don't exist in life, you know. I'm just saying, if you're saying the solution to being down and depressed is 
turning towards spiritual life, like turning towards a practice that, you know, will help you or engaging in your relationship with God. I'm saying like, what is the catalyst that is going to get you from that depressed moment to turning towards God? Peter's catalyst was God himself. So I'm saying it's a tall order that you're asking us to be able to turn. So like when you give that example of someone calling you when you feel depressed and you don't want to work, that's you being willing to work even though you don't want to. But that's exactly where Peter was. No, because Peter had Jesus asking him to do it. If I was in bed like feeling depressed and then my boss called me and said, can you come down and set up for this program? I would go down and set up for that program. But I don't, I don't see how that's the same as Jesus performing a miracle by asking Peter to try again. Okay. Um, performing a miracle. Jesus didn't perform a miracle until after Peter responded. Okay, that's fine. Did, Jesus didn't make the fish swim in and jump into the boat. Mm-hmm. You know, he told Peter where the fish were. Peter had to decide whether to, to listen to him or not. Sure. But um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, the next thing I just, we've all of a sudden switched from saying, you know, beaten, discouraged, tired, exhausted, to depressed. Um, before we go too far, I want to say that when we're saying depressed, we don't mean clinically depressed. If you are depressed, you really should, and it's hard to do, but you really should reach out to someone. You really should go get some help. Right. Okay. I want to look at what you've been saying. Yeah, but Jesus came to him. Um, you know, I want to draw a closer line between, yeah, but Jesus came to him and reaching out for help or recognizing help that has come. Because have you ever in your life said to someone, wow, you're a gift from God. That's exactly what I need. But you identify something that happened or someone that happened as a messenger of God. And that happens. And that's no different than God coming to us. That is different because just by definition, a messenger of God and God himself is different. Not if you're, if you believe that the spirit of God dwells in you. If the president sends you a message or the president himself comes to your program, it's different. Not if, I mean, that's where in human terms we're stuck because the president can't inhabit me. Right. But God can inhabit me. Okay. Okay. And if you answer God's call, you know, saying, you know, give your dad a call. Something's up. Mm-hmm. And you call right at the time I need it. Tell me that's not God coming to me. Yeah, I, I hear you. And I agree with you. And I've had those experiences. I guess I consider them in a different category. And I elevate them really highly, obviously. Yeah. But we haven't even touched on what if you don't believe in God? Yeah, but I mean, it's along the same lines because it's like, Again, it's like if we are having a hard time, 
like the leap from frustrated, exhausted, beaten down to inspired yep. is a big jump. Yeah. It can yep. be hard to go from neutral to inspired. It can be hard Absolutely. to go from happy to inspired. So I think that's, yeah, that's kind of for me, like where it started. And I think that can be spiritually based or, or non-spiritually based. Like, So what made Peter say yes, rather than saying, I'll do it tomorrow? Yeah, I believe the miracle of God. Hmm. Like, I believe the presence of God. Like when, when an inspiring, even not God person, but like when an inspiring person walks in the room, when someone with high energy walks in the room, it changes the mood of the people in that room. So know? what about when God's word enters the room? So I think sometimes it is powerful and sometimes the people in the room are not able to connect with it on that same level. That happens to me all the time. Sometimes I read like scriptures, spiritually charged scriptures, and I feel inspired. And sometimes I read spiritually charged scriptures and I don't feel inspired. I think it's a lot about my own uh, consciousness at that time. You know, wow. and I think the same can be said about a person, you know, I mean, we can both go here and a uh, motivational speaker and one of us can feel more inspired than the other. But I think in general, the power of a person is usually more effective. Mm. I agree with you that the, that God's word has power, but I, I, in my own experience, have had times where I read like, like the, I read the Bible my whole life and never got anything from it. And then I spent one year seriously, intentionally studying it and it changed my life. Hmm. So it was me that changed. The word didn't change. So then my only hope is that somebody is praying for me so that God will somehow intervene through my frustration. Because unless God comes to me and says, Bob, why don't you try this? It's not going to be enough. Well, or, which is kind of the whole other side of the argument, is maybe this is too big of a leap to make. Maybe this is only the kind of leap that God himself can create, you know? And maybe going from frustrated, beaten down, like upset to inspired and willing to try again is not possible for the normal person in a normal consciousness. And instead it needs to be a much smaller step. You know? Like when you were first talking, I, I, the notes I took were like, yeah, why do we even feel that way? Like, why do we feel so like frustrated, beaten down? Is it, is it our health? Is it, what, is it what we're putting in our body? Is it a lack of exercise? Is it a consciousness? Is it emotional and mental health? Is it, the people that we associate ourselves with, you know, like what's causing that and what small steps, like, are we dehydrated? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, maybe we decide like, wow, the next time I'm in bed like that and I don't want to get up and I just want to scroll to the internet, instead of picking up my phone, I'm going to pick up a book. So maybe I'm still in bed. Maybe I still feel depressed, but maybe I've identified that picking up my phone doesn't help me. Maybe I'm going to try picking up my, a book or maybe I've decided fine, I'll go to bed. But instead of using my phone on my own to scroll through the internet, I'm going to call somebody. So that'll be my decision. I'm still in bed. I'm still having a hard time, but I'm going to use my phone to call someone instead. Or maybe I decide I'm not going to go to the bed. So no matter how down I feel, I'm going to sit in a chair in my living room and look at my phone. You know what I mean? Like maybe the step from being bummed out 
too inspired is too big, but maybe we need to come up with a smaller step. Maybe that's all the only miracle I can perform, you know? Yeah. But to, to me, the miracle is not what happened. It's what Peter did when Jesus said, you should take your boat back out and cast in the deep water. Exactly. And that's why I was saying, I think that the power of that miracle came from Jesus. And I think the power of the miracle came from Peter's obedience. Peter's willingness. Sure, but I don't have that obedience. Exactly, but I don't have that willingness. I don't have that obedience. That's what I'm saying. God comes, God's around me all the time and I'm not turning towards him. So who gives, who gave Peter the willingness? I think Jesus, I think. Okay. So what I'm thinking is the story of the man who came and asked Jesus to heal his daughter. And Jesus said, your daughter's healed. Do you believe it? Mm -hmm. And he said, Mm -hmm. I do believe it, but help my unbelief. So Mm -hmm. maybe I need to add a prayer to my practice of saying, God, I am frustrated, I'm beaten, I'm down, I'm depressed. Can you make me willing to look for you? Yeah, I I chant a mantra every day. And that mantra is, dear Lord, please engage me in your service. There is like that service is there. God is there. I am there, but I am not engaging myself. You know, I'm, I'm not willing. <laughs> right. I'm not saying like, right. Dear Lord, give service or have service be available or have the opportunity here. No, it's there. It's always there. I'm just not engaging in it. I'm not turning towards it. That's the, that's the the ticket. You know, God is there. I am there. The service is there, but I'm not engaging. And that was Mary's response to, to God was, may it be done to me as you have said. Right. Um, Yeah. This is the, this is the challenge of my life, you know? So, what affirmation can you come up with that you can honestly say even when you're beaten down and frustrated and exhausted and pretty close to depressed? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think I think that affirmation would change, you know? Like I said, for me, I think it's baby steps. So I think if the affirmation in that moment might be, it's fine for me to be in bed. Like that might be the most that I can get to might just be Uh a shift from I'm in bed and judging myself to I'm in bed and not judging myself. Hmm. You know, that might be the biggest shift I can get to. It's okay for me to be in bed, you know, or maybe I've worked on that enough that then the next one is everything is actually going to be okay. You know, in the end, everything is going to be okay. Maybe it doesn't, maybe I can't get to a place where it's okay now, but in the end, everything's going to be okay. You know, or maybe it's at one point it's, um, there might be, there might be something good here, you know, or maybe it's God is present even when I can't feel him, or maybe it can get to, um, I have another option, or maybe it can get to, like, there might, there might be an easier path, or 
God has set this stage for me, or this is helping me, or, I mean, it can slowly and slowly get to further and further places. But I think for myself, if I'm in a place of frustration, difficulty, and I just want to go lay in bed, an affirmation like God is on my side, or God is present in me now, or God is performing miracles, or I can make the right choice, there's no way. I'm never going to get there. I'm not there. It's not going to happen. So... Is there a possibility of me asking God to become more involved if that's what you think I need? Can I say, okay, Bob, when you're stuck, when you're frustrated, when you're exhausted, when you're fed up with people um, and you want to hang it up, before you do that, just say, God, what do you suggest? Yeah, but to me, for me, I think you and I are in different places, which we should be, I guess, because you've been practicing for decades longer than me. But for me, God, what do you suggest would be the pinnacle of my life. Why? If I could ask, if I could ask in every moment, God, what do you suggest? I would be flying high here. That would be well that's my point yeah but i am not at that place and in those moments when i am struggling it's like asking someone who struggles with food who's in like a near depressed moment to go eat a salad yeah but but it's not um because god may not suggest that um like but asking for god to suggest something to me is asking for god to be the but, authority in my but life. it doesn't even have to be in a holy wonderful way can it be can it be like i'm frustrated all right god well what do you suggest i mean i don't know maybe i don't have a relationship with god like that so no i don't but i mean it's possible i guess for i think other people have different relationships with god he's infinite but yeah for me like if i'm asking god what he suggests it's because i'm in a place of awareness that god is the authority in my life which is the place i would like to be all the time but i rarely am and i'm at the exact opposite saying i got nothing else i got nothing here so god what do you suggest yeah but isn't that what we want isn't that where we want to be absolutely <laughs> yeah so but i'm but when I'm having a really hard time, I'm not in that place of saying I like my ego is not in a place where it's willing to say I've got nothing else. I can't figure this out. I surrender to what like God's suggestions because God is the ultimate power and God knows what's best in the situation. And I can't run my own life. I think I'm the God of my life. I think I know what's best for me. But that's the problem. Exactly. It's the problem. That's the whole problem. If Peter was the God of his life, he would have said, I'll get there tomorrow. Exactly. But God himself was standing there. And so Peter's ego couldn't argue that he was the God of his own life when he was in the presence of God. Exactly. I don't want to be the God of my own life. I want like Jesus to be the God of my life. But I am constantly fighting that. And in the moment when I'm feeling most down is when my ego is most in control. <sighs> It's when I finish my meditations in the morning. It's when I finish reading scriptures. It's when I finish Bible study. It's when I finish an inspiring spiritual program that I could say, okay, God, what do you suggest now? You're in charge here. You're the God of my life here. 
it's not in the moments when I'm frustrated and burnt out and exhausted and want to just go be in bed that I'm willing to do that. But why can't you? I totally can, but I'm incapable. That's the whole point of this podcast. Why can't I? But, That's why I'm here on the earth. If I knew how to do that, we would all be in heaven. But how long does it take you to learn that you're incapable before you admit to yourself you're incapable and therefore turn to the God who is already there waiting for you to turn to him? Yeah, so far it's taken me millions of lifetimes. So so why not start that now? Yeah, that's, that's what I'm trying to do every day. That's why the mantra is, oh Lord, please engage me in your service. It's me trying to remind myself that my job here is to do what God wants me to do. But my ego and my identity as this person that is the God of her own life fights that every day. That's, this, you're describing the whole spiritual path. You're describing like the whole struggle. Okay. Um. We have the same goal. I'm just saying, I don't think the place for me to practice that is that challenging moment. I think the, the place to get the binge eater to eat a salad isn't the moment when they want a sleeve of Oreos. That moment might, that might be the moment to get them to eat a healthy sandwich. Right, except I've learned that to eat the sleeve of Oreos is going to satisfy me for about two Oreos, and then I'm going to hate myself, and I'm going to be miserable. I've learned that lesson before. Why do I want to repeat it again? Yeah, we don't want to repeat that lesson again. You and I have the same goal here. We're on the same page. I just have a different perspective on how challenging this struggle is, and the long-term effective way to get to the result that we both want. And I know that for myself, going from black to white, I'm just going to go right back to black again. Only if you want to. No, I mean, I, I do. There must be some part of me that does want to because I go black to white, black to white, black to white, black to white, black to white all day. And so what I'm saying is if I want to go from black to white, I go, go from black to dark gray to gray to lighter gray to light gray to cream to white. You know, and I think that that on that beach, when Jesus performed that miracle for Peter, he took Peter from black to white for a second. I don't think so at all. I think Peter heard him say, go back out there and and put the nets in the deep end. And Peter's first thought was, I'm way too tired to do that. My day's done. He had to work through that. I don't think he went from black to white. I think it was a bunch of little gray decisions that he made all along the way to say, wait a minute, you know, what if this guy is God? What if I do take the next step? Yeah, okay. I mean, that's a different story than I know it. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, if there was like a whole conversation either in Peter's own mind or with Jesus in that moment and they went back and forth and Jesus kind of talked him through it and then, yeah, I think that is effective. That's the therapy we're talking about. That's the, I mean, that's like the role of right. like a coach, right? They help you get over the weaknesses that the struggles that you're going through. And I think if Jesus played that role for Peter, then I think, yeah, either, either, we can turn to God 
and hope that he can play that role. And somehow we have enough gumption in us in that moment to turn to God and ask him to play that role. Or we can find someone else who can help us do that in our life. Then, yeah, I think that process that you just described, I'm totally on board with. I didn't get the sense that that is what happened there. I don't think Peter and Jesus had conversation. Okay. I think all that conversation happened in Peter's head. Yeah. And so I guess that's where the conversation that typically happens for me in my head when that's happening is, oh, I should really get up and do something. Oh, I don't want to. I don't feel like it. What if I, what if I interrupt that feeling? What if I teach myself to interrupt, but I don't feel like it? Because Peter, I'm sure, said, I don't feel like doing this. You know, what if we are able to interrupt when we say, I don't feel like it, we, we use that as a stop sign to say, wait a minute, where's these thoughts going? Let me look at whether I'm, you know, why I'm saying I don't feel like it. Well, I don't feel like it because I'm tired, exhausted, or whatever else. Oh, yeah. But remember that story about the disciples? They didn't feel like it either. But when they listened to what God wanted, when they listened to what their best, best self said, they were blessed. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm totally on board for that. I'm just saying it's not easy. And I feel that Peter in this story had this advantage of Jesus being present there and Peter knowing that like, this was Jesus and allowing the faith that came from that and the miraculous energy that came from Jesus being there to get over that very difficult hump. And what I'm saying is I don't think that I have that in me today. So I need to come up with smaller steps to get over that hump because I don't have Jesus present in the room with me that I am willing to acknowledge. How can you say, oh, that you're willing to acknowledge? Yeah, Jesus is present in my life all the time. God is present in my life all the time, but it's my consciousness of God's presence. That's the issue. And so Peter had that consciousness of God's presence. But you can have that too, right? I, I can, but I don't, not at this moment. But do you want it? Yeah, that's my whole life is based on that. My whole so life. how do you get it? Practice. No. <laughs> you get it by asking. Yeah, but that is my practice. Okay. My practice is asking. I mean, it's, it's a combination of practice and mercy, right? And so I'm putting in my part and I'm trying. But am I trying hard enough? Probably not. No. How much, what percentage of my day am I concentrating on this? Huh. I mean, obviously, Peter was in a different situation than me because then he dropped the nets and they followed him. But that was his whole life. You know, he died. Is he the one that died upside down? Yep. I mean, this is really a surrendered person. I don't drop my nets. Hmm. You know, yeah, there's a there's an ego and a stubbornness and a rebellious nature and a believing that I can figure it out myself. That's still very present in me. Yeah. And in the process of that. God will do miracles. Sure. Which helps that process to happen more and more. Sure. You'll encounter things on that walk that make it worth it. Sure. 
And that, to me, is what happened with Peter. But, huh. Well, we've gone like over an hour, right? Yeah. And we've solved nothing. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> chime in here, folks, because we would like to know what you think, too. And some of you are frustrated. Some of you are empty. Some of you are depressed. What can God do to help you out of that? What can your best self do to help you out of that? And where do we go from here? We're looking for something real, not some platitude, but something that helps you. For this week, I would encourage you to start the process by identifying three statements that you make more than once a week that sabotage who you are. All right, let's start there and then we'll figure out where to go with that. so much for listening to this episode of Big Fish Little Pod. We are having such a great time making this podcast and we're really appreciating all of the feedback and input that we get from you. Please comment on the podcast post on my dad's Facebook page or send us an email at bigfishlittlepod at gmail.com. Thanks. See you next time.